Welcome. To Arcade Audio. And welcome to this week's episode of Married with Movies. I'm one of your hosts, Samantha Mullet. Sitting next to me on the couch is my other host and your beautiful husband, Chris Mullet. All right, so when I tell you to be slower, I expect you to still know the words. I was improvising. <laughs> you can't improvise something you know verbatim. It's like, I was oh, changing was, it up. That was a weird interpretation. What was that? I was improvising. You were just doing the Pledge of Allegiance. <laughs> You know, I'm just riffing here. Better. You know, we're working on it. You're going to get there. By 200, that's when I expect you to nail it. You know what? Hey, hey. Go fuck yourself. How about that? How was that for nailing it? Oh, nail yourself. Get yeah, it? That's how this going and fucking yourself is. Yeah. I... I'm na- oh, man. I'm nailing myself. You can screw me so hard. It is... April 17th, 2018. Happy Another Tax Day to day. you. Hope you guys got your taxes in, because if you're hearing this, it's too fucking late. <laughs> Another day in the life. Yes, it is. That is the the, the trials Mullet and household. tribulations of Samantha Mullet. And Christopher Mullet. No, Christopher mostly Mullet. Samantha Mullet. I have, tri- I have tribulations. I've got trials. They're multiplying. It's, <laughs> it's like... It's chills. It's not even anywhere close. I... Am as punchy as a clear glass bowl at a dance. I've had a bad day, is what I'm trying to say. So you had a bad day. <laughs> what are we doing? What is happening? We're and, married. And this is how we entertain ourselves when our child finally goes to sleep. Thank God. And we somehow manage to watch movies. Number takes we, us twice the amount of time to watch the movies, uh, and then we end up talking about it uh, days after the fact, so we don't remember anything that happened in the movie. So it makes for a really fun podcast, wouldn't you agree? We hope so, because you're listening to it. Hopefully. So um, we a little break in protocol from unusual um, for this week and next week. So uh, this, of course, we said that we're recording this on the 17th. Um, this begins to air on the 19th. We watch today's podcast, uh, today's movie, I should say, on Sunday, the 15th. Yes. In the middle of the day. Yes. It was. And I had some time at the end of the night and needed to make a decision because uh, next week you will still have an episode, but we will not be watching a recording because we will be celebrating our five year wedding anniversary on a cruise without our child. Um, who's watching her? We don't know. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> and my my family will be coming to watch the baby, and it's the first time we are having a week long vacation in a very 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 long time. And it's the first time I'm ever going to be away from Jillian for longer than one night. Yeah. Then this is the um the this is me saying goodbye to everybody. I'm going to get alcohol poisoning. I'm going to throw them overboard. I'm yes. sure. I'll just probably stumble overboard. 
Don't even, um, like, honestly, God forbid, because I've seen so many things of that happening. Like, I've seen so many articles, like, in the last six months of people what falling overboard. What news are you reading? It just comes up on the thing. Like, this person fell overboard, and they had to rescue this person. If I didn't fall overboard that. on the Norwegian boat, I'm never falling overboard. Yeah, well, yeah. good thing I can swim. Ouch. So what we did was we I'd weren't save sure you. we weren't sure, but that was directly a dig at me not being able to swim. We were trying to figure out when we were going to be able to record or watch that movie. So, um, and we're trying to save ET, and ET is a little bit longer. And also, like when my parents are here, it'll be easier to watch ET than God knows what else we we're gonna pick or draw. Then Doctor Strange yeah. Love or next week's episode because uh, we picked the movie that came out of the box. Um, after Doctor Strange Love, before recording, before recording it, so we've already watched that movie. That'll be next week's episode. We'll still announce what it is at the end to keep you entertained but or to keep you guessing um, throughout the podcast. We but, have to see if we'd have time for it. Yes, um, but we already watched that movie, so we watched two movies in one day and that didn't record either episode. So we're here recording it now. Maybe um, two in one night. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see how. Keep it tight. Don't Fine. yawn. <laughs> <laughs> it should be a new game on the podcast is is trying to make each other yawn like, hey, you have something right there. <laughs> Just like fuck with them. I don't know what makes somebody yawn. Normally, yawning. Uh up front <laughs> Fuck you. Um we're sleep deprived and malnourished. <laughs> Help us, please. So uh also up front what we also do is um if we've watched a movie recently, we discuss it. Uh-huh. And Friday, Saturday? One of those two days. <laughs> That's a yawn. That's a big old yawn. Uh, one of those two days, uh, you were nice enough to let me sit here and watch uh, the HBO documentary Andre the Giant. I mean, nothing nice about it. I fell asleep on the couch. I didn't really have a... Very true. Well, didn't, no, didn't really we were gonna watch Doctor Strange Love I think that night, and you're like, no, go ahead, you know, finish this. I think you were watching Riverdale or something, or a series of unfortunate series of unfortunate events. events. One of the two. You're Season watching, two. You're watching one of the two, and uh, I watched it. Um, I don't think we talked about it on last week's possible. I think we talked about it off air. I don't think we talked about it on air because some of us hadn't seen it yet. Um, so I finally watched it. It was good. Um, it, it, it kind of falls into, we still might talk about this on Podswoggle, um, our sister podcast on the Arcade Audio Network, but, um, mainstream wrestling documentaries, unfortunately, always kind of fall into this, they always seem really short, because there's so much to tackle, they seem very general, and also, unfortunately, if you are a wrestling fan, you have to suffer through a lot of explanation and a lot of backstory on things that to us seem very commonplace in general, but you have to explain it to a mass audience. Like, I know about, like, the 70s and 80s territories. You know, like, I know how Vince McMahon took over. I know how Hulk Hogan started. But to other people, they don't. So those things, I feel like, could be shorter, but to other people, they're not. And I didn't get... Uh, enough. Um, it was still good. Um, nothing like new. There wasn't anything in there that I was like I had never heard before, except for the fact that um, Andre actually 
knew that he could have gotten surgery for it and chose not to. That was one thing I never knew. And he just chose until God made him, and he decided not to do it. So basically, it was a death sentence, but you know, he, he went with it anyway. Um, so still check it out. It was good. Uh, not great. Same thing as the Ric Flair documentary. I think they're both good, but neither one of them were, um, like, fantastic. So, But if you have an interest and you're not familiar with wrestling, definitely check them out because you'll learn something. And with that, are you ready to get into today's podcast? Ready, Freddy. Randomly drawn out of the box, Dr. Strangelove, or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb, Criterion Collection. And Samantha just took the lead in the yawn category. You drew it? You drew it, so I read it. Uh, the Criterion Collection, a continuing series of important classic and contemporary films, presents Dr. Strangelove, or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb. Stanley Kubrick's painfully funny take on Cold War anxi- anxiety is one of the fiercest satires of human folly ever to come out of Hollywood. The matchless shapeshifter Peter Sellers plays three wildly different roles, Royal Air Force Captain Lionel Mandrake, timidly trying to stop a nuclear attack on the USSR ordered by an unbalanced general, played by Sterling Hayden, the ineffectual and perpetually dumbfounded U.S. President Merkin Muffley, who must deliver the very bad news to the Soviet premier, and the titular, the titular, am I saying that right? Titular. <laughs> That's not right. <laughs> Titular. Uh, <laughs> I'm the titular. Um, and the titular, Strange Love himself, a wheelchair-bound presidential advisor with a Nazi past. Finding improbable hilarity in nearly every unimaginable scenario, Dr. Strangelove, or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb, is a subversive masterpiece that officially announced Kubrick as an unparalleled stylist and pitch-black ironist. So, uh, the first time I saw this movie was in theaters. I will explain. I'm sorry, it was in a theater. Uh, Do you remember that... um, the Wright Union Cinema on the University of Florida's uh, Union campus. Oh, you mean it, the thing that's not there anymore? Oh, you mean the airport? Would show... Old movies. Old movies. And movies. They, would sh- they would show, like, early previews. Like, like you like they'd test out. Like, I think I saw Borat for the first time on campus. Um, I saw American Dreams. Remember the other movie, American Dreams, with uh, uh, Hugh Grant? And no, uh, yeah, it was like a, it was a guy who did like about a boy. And I don't I really I'm, care. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. But they would also show, um, I saw a jarhead for the first time there. I'm just trying to remember, like, like for really, I'm trying to make sure that my brain's not dying. Um, but I also saw older films. Me and Tony Colt went and saw, I think I mentioned like, I never seen Dr. Strange. He's like, you never seen Dr. Strange love? Let's go see it. So we saw it, um, in the Rights Union cinema for the first time. And I loved it, and I bought it, and I think this is only the second, I don't think I've ever seen it since. Um, this is my first time watching yeah, it. Yeah, you had never seen it before. No. This is our third Kubrick movie we're covering, sure. Shining 2001. I know you're not a fan. Did we tackle why you weren't not a fan before? It's just totally not my kind of movie, my stream of movies... Because they're smart? Yes. Exactly. I don't like to think when I go to the movies, Chris. Which is fair. Which is fair. It is a fair 
point of fair assessment. And I was being sarcastic, but that's fine. <laughs> no, but to be perfectly honest, I think that is uh, the... No, I do actually like to think. I know you do. I'm being sarcastic. But it is a fair critique... Of a lot of movies. Of a lot yes. of movies. Some people just like to be in... I will never... Zone out. I will never be the one to go see a Transformers movie over Doctor Strangelove or anything. But there are people that want to escape and... and exactly. And turn their brain off yeah. when they watch movies. And, which and, is fine. And, and I also am like that sometimes, too. Well, yeah. And also for... for like. An exa- okay, I'll use the example you just used. Mm-hmm. Transformers versus this. So if I, if we had watched Transformers instead... Oh, careful, Samantha. We are a movie podcast. No, no, no. And I don't want to lose all the credibility. No, it's, it's, a, it's a legitimate thing. Okay. If we had, So we watched this on Sunday, April 15th. So if we had watched Transformers instead, it would have been just zoned into the movie world. You know, I would have just gone into that movie world and just been in that space because... That could never happen in real life because there are not uh, alien robots. Fair. This movie hit a little close to home, especially because this past Friday, the uh, bombings that we, we did on Syria and everything like that, I think that it's um, too close for comfort in this, that kind of aspect. This, a lot of yeah. the critique of this movie... And a lot of the reaction to this movie was, oh my God, could that ever happen? Which, after watching the second time, made me love it just as much as I always, as I did the first time, because this movie will turn 55 next year. Wow. Um, it was made in 1964. Yeah. And oh man, you know what that means? What? My aunt will be 55 next year. Whoa, way to put your aunt on blast. It's okay. She don't look like she's 55 ass. Way to put your aunt's age on blast here. Good Lord. But my point being that this movie is somehow more relevant than yeah. it ever has been yeah. at this very moment. This has turned... This movie specifically started as a... It's our fourth, Cooper. What was the other one? Clockwork Orange. Oh, you're right. You're right. I forgot about Clockwork Orange. Um... This movie, all drawn out of the box, I believe, too, which uh-huh. is weird. Very like, strange. And I think we very... drew them back to back, didn't we? Uh, we, drew, Shining we, we drew Shining directly after 2001, and then we had Clockwork Orange late last year. Yeah. Um, so it's very weird. Um, when this movie was made, it was a black comedy satire in Cold War times about... Um, like, like, man, like, how ridiculous and, like, comical this would be mm-hmm. if this were to happen. And now I, I'm watching this and I'm like, Holy shit. I'm gonna wake up tomorrow and this is happening. Right. This is gonna be a news thing in color. Like, I, I right. would not be shocked yeah. to have seen, uh, Anthony Scarmucci send a fax and somehow Poland is right up our assholes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, right. No. And, that, and that's what I mean. Like in terms of not wanting to think because sure that's on the brain. Yeah, and then you watch this movie it. and you're like, Oh my God, it just, it just expounds it so much where, you know, sometimes I would rather just go see a movie about, yeah. Alien robots that... I mean, you don't like documentaries, so... <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm not a fan of documentaries, so... Um, yeah. Yeah, but I'm not... 
in general, a Kubrick fan. I don't particularly like his style. And for me, this, especially the four movies that we've seen on this show, mm-hmm. they're very hard for me to stomach. Um, not necessarily from a stylistic point of view, but just from the content of it and what it brings to light. And I think we talked a lot about that on Clockwork Orange when we Yeah, when and we, we, I mean, we also talked about in The Shining because of your history of The Shining, and it is, uh, it is an unsettling movie to watch, and 2001 is not for everybody. And I think this is the most accessible somehow of the four, at least for you. The Shining is the most accessible of the four because it's the most, despite what Room 237 will have you think, the most straightforward of all of them. Yes, but I also think this one is, this has a lot more comedy in it it does because it is that black comedy it's not a laugh out loud no film. no no but there are specific comedic beats that are meant to make you yes laugh or there, smile at that situation there are stretches like the first sure. 20 maybe yeah. 30 minutes i was watching i'm like man i don't remember this Starting so slow and like normal. Yeah, very. And, and they, um, Kubrick specifically, uh, I don't know, I don't remember in my research if Kubrick specifically told um, certain people or certain people took it to not be a comedy. Like I know Slim Pickens didn't, which is funny. He just played it straight. He yeah. played it straight, and you know, his accent and the way that he took some things made it funny automatically. That. Like the whole B fifty two crew, you know they're they're not really the source of the comedy. They're there, they're there as you know the plot device to move. They're they're almost there like as the MacGuffin almost to, to kind of shut up. I know I'm using it wrong, but I said plot device and I had to go for the joke. They are us seeing, you know what's happening, and to kind of track us along this journey of will we or won't we. Um, actually, you know, hit our target. Yeah. Um, the the comedy comes from obviously Peter Sellers doing you know just improvising his ass off. I. Uh, um. We'll get there. I mean, yeah. I mean, he's gonna get written down. It's not as clear cut as you'd think. I want to give a couple people some 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 oh, props. We'll get there. But it's obvious. I mean, I'm just gonna write it down. It's not. I don't think this is a record, but it's pretty close to record and that Peter Sellers is the MVP of the movie. For which role? I think overall, for all of them. Well, yeah, yeah no, you don't have to designate. Like, well, we will have to designate. Well, it's the same thing like Eddie Murphy was... next year's mullet. Eddie awards. Murphy was the MVP of... The uh, co- Of coming to America. No, come on. I mean, he will be. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we own both of them, Of right? course. Please. Please. Of course I own Dr. Strangelove, and I also own The Clumps. <laughs> Am I a movie fan? How dare you? Um... <laughs> It's yeah. You don't have to differentiate. I, I think there are a couple really really good performances that if it's not for Peter Sellers, basically killing it. He basically has Mandrake is largely until the last scene of his with um, Bacuano is kind of like a straight man throughout because he has to bounce off of uh, Jack Ripper who's absolutely fucking insane. Um. The wonderfully named Merkin Merkley Merkley Muffin Merkin Muffley Pussy Pussy uh, <laughs> Pussy Hair Pussy um, is starts as a straight man, but then slowly turns into this like as the the explanation said this dumbfounded kind of boob 
um, who has my personal favorite stuff in the movie, him calling, yes, Dimitri, I know. Like, like, just... Adore. Just, like, this dorky fucking, like, conversation, but, which, like, both of them are. That's Tony and I's favorite part of the movie, is those conversations oh, on yeah, the phone the back com- and forth. The, the big conference call, and I think that that also led to a lot of the comedy in it. Yeah. Set, but it wasn't intentional but it was like no, the comedy that comes out of this stressful situation sure. when he's having that com- yes Dimitri no Dimitri I think no, that, that Dimitri, really yeah. speaks a lot sure. of those relations and then for yeah. this movie as well and, the acting and then you have the just flat out typical Peter Sellers over the top comedy character that is Dr. Strangelove who is also ominous and w- creepy in his own right because he is a fucking Nazi. Um, former Nazi. Um, there's no better, like, button to a movie than Mein Fuhrer I Can Walk. It's just fucking hilarious and perfect, and it gets me every time. Um, so, yeah, I mean, so, yeah, we, I already wrote him down. Uh, I believe that's his second MVP, because you forced, forced me into making him the MVP of Murder by Death. Um, I do not force anything yeah. just because maggie smith is on your list oh did i oh, mention that no no i i was um going for peter falk i wasn't going for maggie smith oh i thought you were going no for peter falk and murder by death is fantastic so is peter sellers yeah well, well hey you were wrong Come it's on okay. wall. yeah also peter sellers is fucking offensive and racist as shit but we'll get there next week uh, <laughs> oh yeah, we sure will. <laughs> uh, people will hear it at the end, not with Peter Sellers, but with something else. Um, so yeah, so I, I don't think I enjoyed this as much as I did the first time I watched it for a couple different reasons. The first one being, I was the first time I watched it, I wasn't going in analyzing it. I was going in just sitting there wanting to like experience, enjoy it. But at the same time, I was taking film classes. I was a younger, less, like, jaded fucking person. Becoming a pretentious asshole no. who takes film classes. No, and then makes a I podcast mean. to talk no, about it. that's not what I mean. I meant I You're was... Snob. I'm not a snob. I'm trying to explain why I'm, I wasn't a snob back... Why I wasn't right, a snob. Right, right, right. You weren't a snob no, back no. then. You're a snob now. I just confused myself. Fuck off. <laughs> Like, I was younger, and I was more open to things then. Whereas now... You're a snob. (laughs) Fuck you. Fine. Fine, 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 fine. But also... It's okay, one of us has to be... But also... I would have rather watched Transformers. (laughs) You're fucking crazy. Also, I was... um, I'm also older, older, so I didn't remember as much, and I remembered it differently. (laughs) So, So, like... I'm like, man, I don't remember this at all. I remember this being, like, more outwardly funny. And it, like, it's only 96, 95 minutes, but it still feels kind of, like, long. And there's there's a lot of wordiness and there's a lot of, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? There's just a lot of, like, exposition's not it. There's a lot of order and you know like following rank and the operations of how things would go like the whole like a lot of the B-52 stuff like you could have fucking cut down because we didn't need to see them flipping all these switches and going through the protocol and doing all that kind of stuff like 
to me, it just kind of like elongated the movie to get to... I guess, but then somebody who is in the military and appreciates that kind of thing probably would have been like, oh my god, wow. Like, how accurate? I get that. But I would have rather had like 15 minutes of more, you know, talking in the war room and right. more, uh, more ripper waxing craziness. Or, you only get two, three scenes of Doctor Strangelove... And he's the actual, like, namesake of the fucking movie. The, like, less is more, but still give me more of that, you know? The titular. The titular. No, it's not titular. 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 It sounds like something a Ninja Turtle would say. Titular, man! Um, Tits Nixon. <laughs> yes! And we're back, baby! And we're back! <laughs> Was Nixon I'm just there? imagining this... Fat Nixon with these big man boobies. Just great 38D Nixon. <laughs> That's really big. Do you know how big 38Ds are? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I bet you do. Nixon would have them. Was Nixon, the, I think Nixon was the president during this, or was it Johnson? I wasn't alive in 1964. Yeah, but how up on your history are you? Not very. Uh, Kennedy was assassinated in 62. Yeah, so, and then Johnson didn't seek re-election. So I think it might have been Nixon. So in just a second, I can't type Richard. Richard Nixon. He was president from... Lyndon B. Johnson was the president 60, in Yeah, he was. Nixon was 69 to 74. So, yeah. Um, well, I would have made more sense, but so we're back. We're back on the Nixon front. Uh, what did you not like or did like about the movie that we haven't talked about so far? Um, I think we kind of hit on all of the points. I didn't like that it was in black and white. Did it bother you that it was in black and white? Or? I don't know. I, I don't know. I guess I have a big problem with black and white movies. Why? I don't really know, man, because life is so vivid and colorful and... I think because... You have a problem with Schindler's List being in black and white. You have I, a, I, I a problem with... That's even a more modern. I did have something in the middle where I was like, man, they could have done this in, like, it's in the 60s. Like, there's color. No, 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 they could have, but... Like, no, they <laughs> I thought it myself. Have. I mean, I know it was a stylistic choice, but I think because... And, you know, one of my favorite movies talked about it on the show before, right? The Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. Um, starts out in black and white, and then you come into this vivid technicolor and that was kind of like the awakening moment you know and mm-hmm. I don't know I think that that's just always how I look at things like I feel like movies that are black and white are more serious supposed to be more um you know old timey kind of I mean I know what was the most recent Oscar one of those black the and white artist. the artist I enjoyed the artist but it's different it was like a throwback to those Silent movies, those, you know, uh, dancing and, and singing, rather. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I don't know. I mean, I don't hate black and white movies. never going to watch a black and white movie. It just doesn't... I just don't enjoy them as much as color because I think that stylistically, a lot of times, you can do a lot with color and scene work and... Black and white is just black and white. But you can also stylistically do things with camera angles and cinematography and editing. It's not just 
you know, color and set design and... I know, you know that, but I think that it contributes a lot to it. Sure. And, and Yeah, I, I don't know. It's just a, a thing. Like, I think I would have loved to see what color the world turned after that bomb went off. From, like, this bright, vivid green or, like, yellow sand or green forest, and then all of a sudden everything turns black or gray or red. You know, I I think that that also holds a lot of it. And when you're trying to have a movie have this impact, you know, all this leading up to this nuclear bomb that's going to destroy the world because of the doomsday device, that color changing, that instant green to barren is impactful. And I think that this movie would have been that much better had it been in color. Fair that, enough. I think that that's the point I'm trying to make. Did, um, just because it reminded me, did you ever watch The Day After? Did you have to watch The Day After in school? It was that, like, 80s television movie that was, like, about what happens the day after, like, a nuclear bomb goes off. No, I went to school in the 90s no, and I early know, 2000s. Like, we, I still watched it. They still mm. showed it to us. Yeah, I went to a good school. Progressive school. Um, Day County don't have the money for any of that shit. <laughs> it's but like a tape. F- what? It's just what? buying a fucking tape. No, no, no. We didn't. No. If we did, I didn't pay attention. I probably slept. You suck. <laughs> what year did you watch it? Senior year? Uh, no, I think I watched it in sixth grade. Oh, so... I don't remember. Sixth grade was our first year of middle school. We were figuring out health class. I was... You know, teaching sex ed to seniors in high school. What the no. fuck! I was gonna no, say, what the fucking sixth grade? Sixth grade. When I was in ninth grade. I did that. No, I never watched that. Okay, just I. Yeah, I was thinking. They didn't want to t- scare us. We had a lot of. Figures <laughs> they titillate. They want to titillate us. They didn't mm. want to titillate us. Mm, them nuclear bombs, <laughs> mum. Um, did that? Any... Did that movie prepare you for life? Well, no. It's just like it's very like. When people watch it, it's, like, one of the biggest television movies of all time. Like, when it aired, like, in 83, I remember, um, like, hearing about it and, like, reading about it after um, we watched it and talked about it in class. Like, it totally, like, fucked the country up. They're like, this can happen? Word? Like, because in the midst of the Cold War, not, like, everybody. I mean, like, if it gets dropped in fucking Kansas, like, we're fine. I mean, you still have the the effects of it, and the radiation will wipe out life in a certain mile radius. Yes. That's how nuclear bombs work, correct? I don't know. You didn't watch the movie. No, I don't know. I'm just guessing. <laughs> God damn it. If, I hate being in Florida because we're such an easy fucking target. One, because, just why not? <laughs> and then, and then two, it's just like there's so much, like, like some asshole would be like fucking bomb Disney World, like you know, like I'm just like, ugh. how many? In all honesty, in the past since Trump become president, I've looked up what to do in an atomic bomb at least like six times. Really? Yes, and I'm just like, if there's actually a website you go to where like you put in your address, you or you the closest shelter. No, you put in your address and it tells you like where you need to be. 
if like that address gets hit to be safe. <laughs> it's like, it's like depending on the, like, it's like the size of the bomb and like all this kind of stuff. And it's like, it's like, okay, if I'm at work and it gets dropped like right on my house, like I'll be okay. I just have to stay inside for a couple of days. Like that kind of thing. Okay. So <laughs> Mr. Movie Buff, let's talk about how nuclear bombs work and the depictions of them in film. Mm-hmm. So if you're in a banking center that is attached to a public mm-hmm. and has paper-thin walls and is mostly windows, and a nuclear bomb hits anywhere in, like, a 50-mile radius, it'll probably blow out the windows and you're going to die from the radiation. Uh, uh, yeah, it's not like it's going to be, like... A bomb that's only going to, oh, come through our house and then none of the other houses we're attached are going to get hit. That's not how it fucking works, man. All right, we're settling this right now. Yeah, settle it right now. A nuclear bomb would take out a certain mile radius and then the radiation and all of the things would spread out. You know, make a a crater the size of... Like a, a meteorite. Like, I mean, they're right. they're huge, massive things. Haven't you seen the mushroom clouds go up? It's a huge, massive thing. They're made to explode on impact. A one megaton nuclear bomb creates uh-huh. a firestorm that can cover 100 square miles. And how much is 100 square miles? A 20 megaton blast firestorm can cover over 2,500 square miles. And how much is a square mile? How much is that? Why are we talking about this? Because we're just going to sound like fucking idiots. <laughs> no. Who knows how how much 2,500 square miles is? That's not like a common thing. But if it's, from what I think, 2,500 square miles is 2,500 times 2,500 that many miles. Right? That's when you square something, put it to the second power. Don't you multiply it by itself? All right, I figured it out. It is mm-hmm. like 6.9 trillion feet. Mm-hmm. So there you go. My That's... point. <laughs> My point exactly. Um, you have to get into a bomb shelter. You have to go underground. And unfortunately, in Florida, we don't have undergrounds. We have underwaters. And bringing it full circle, being that you can't swim, I think you'd be fucked either way. What did you like about the movie? Um... I like the the conference scenes, like the the yeah. when they're all at the table and everyone's on the phone and they don't have a mute button, so they're all just like, or like they don't have a speakerphone and they're all just like taking turns talking. Gentlemen, on the phone. you can't fight in here. This is a war room. It's like such a perfect fucking line. I love that line so much. Yeah, it's, it's good. It's just so damn good. Um, yeah. Let's get into performances. Um, so we already named Peter Sellers the MVP. I want to give um, a shout out to two people who I feel would any in any other situation when Peter Sellers isn't killing it in three different roles would get some consideration. George C. Scott, very good. Um, yes. Very entertaining. Um, a lot of interesting information if you do your research about this movie and George C. Scott. So George C. Scott is a very serious actor. Um, did not really get along with uh, Kubrick that well. Kubrick tricked him into like filming practice scenes and George C. Scott being pretty over the top as um, Buck Turgeson and Kubrick ended up using those takes, which is crazy because Kubrick normally would demand dozens of dozens of takes. Um, so George C. Scott thought his performance was pretty over the top and silly 
which is exactly how it kind of should have been. Um, but end up uh, respecting and listening to Kubrick because Kubrick kept kicking his ass in chess. They were both master chess players, Kubrick more so. He's great. He's funny. He's very expressive. Um, uh, always knowing him as a very serious actor and things like Patton and Christmas Carol and stuff. It's good to see him uh, tripping and falling over and being kind of like a uh, a scuzzy dude with his uh, with his secretary and whatnot. So he was great. Um, also, really like Sterling Hayden as Jack Ripper. Um, yeah, wasn't over the top. Like again. I feel like you could have almost swapped George C. Scott and Sterling Hayden's performances, and it, it would have fit each character, but it wouldn't have been his right of a choice. Was insane, and thinking that our bodily fluids were being impacted by which every time, every time I just hear like fluids, it's just like it's all this buildup and all this like hearsay and kerfuffle. And then he just thinks the Soviets are trying to, like, fuck with our jizz and our piss, man. <laughs> like, it's just funny to me. Uh, so he was very good in being, like, this controlled kind of chaos yes. um, person. Um, so those um, would be, like, my, my runners-up to Peter Sellers. Um, LVP. So who I don't think it is, uh, Slim Pickens was fine. Yeah, he was he was fine. I yeah. think he, he did an admirable job, especially not knowing that it was a comedy. Although I will say, like, it is a good... Like, seeing him the whole way through, again, another good payoff of him just riding that bomb down, oh, yeah. yee it up, you know. Like, it, it's a good... It's one of the most visual moments in film history. Um, so it's not him. I also like the guy who was Bat Guano. Um, like that little back and forth scene between him and Peter Sellers as Mandrake, trying to get him to believe him and call on the phone, and then it ends in like the most slapsticky like coke spraying in the face. That actually might be quietly one of my favorite scenes because I think it's the most outwardly comedic. Yeah, it's like you don't have to apologize to me; you have to apologize to Coca Cola. Coca Cola, <laughs> yeah, no, that was great. Like that guy was really was, funny. Yeah, and again, only one scene, but crushing it, killing yeah. it. Exactly. Um, it's not James Earl Jones. Man, look at how young and fresh and hot James Earl Jones was. His first movie. Damn. You know James Earl Jones? You know how old James Earl Jones is? How old? 309. He is so... James Earl Jones is going to live long enough to be Mufasa in six different movies. Oh, my God. You know you've demanded respect and you're awesome at what you do and that you've been the voice of somebody... Uh, of the same character in totally different trilogies and, and iterations of the same oh, yeah. fucking thing. Yeah. Like when they did that line, when they announced Lion King, it's like, man, we got Beyonce, we got Donald Glover, we got Chewy Telegia 4, we still getting James Earl Jones. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No one can replace it. No, nobody. And he's still on, like, everything. He's on the Lion Guard. But he's still, who was he on Lion Guard? He's Mufasa. Mufasa. Is Mufasa becoming like the Captain Munch of <laughs> fucking... Is Why is Mufasa on Lion Guard? Lion Guard, by the way, for all of you non-parents out there, is the like Disney Junior, uh, Disney Channel Lion King show about Simba's son. What's his name? Koba? Kuba? Kwamba? Keon. Keon. Um, he, it, it, so, yeah, on the Lion Guard, any flashbacks they have to Mufasa, he's... 
the voice, and then they had a movie, Lion Guard movie, and he what was fucking Mufasa. flash? What fucking flash? Why is Lion Guard like Breaking Bad? It needs like these fucking flashbacks. Layers. Jesus. Um, but yeah, it's not him to do enough. Uh, my LVP nominee, and it's hard for this movie because everyone's pretty pretty good. Um, but somebody that just didn't do much for me and just kind of like was there is Peter Bull. He was the Soviet ambassador, Alexei. Yeah, I felt like I was watching a bad episode of SVU. With uh, him. No, I, yeah, I mean, he just kind of. He was just there. He's just kind of there and like being the Soviet. Like, George C. Scott does a really good job of like playing up. Like, what is he here? Like, he's going to be stealing these secrets and taking them back, this commie, you know, this, that, and the other thing. And it was just kind of like, no. And at the end, like, he is, like, sneaking, you know, pictures and stuff and all yeah. freaking out and everything. But I feel like you could have gotten some good comedy from that. I feel like you could have gotten um, a decent, like, layered performance, and he just didn't have it. I think that that's a fair point. Yeah. Um, there's really nobody else. I do want to point out that um, it definitely wouldn't be the one female in this movie. Oh, man. Hashtag uh, uh, women's evolution. Um, Hashtag Tracy women's Reed. rights. She was really good in like her one scene, too. Like, the kind of the back and forth on the phone, trying to cover for her boss and, and everything. Yeah, because they were fucking. Well, yeah, but... But she also was very good, I feel like, in her... Yeah, she's a good secretary. That's what you're supposed to do. I want to point out also that this Criterion box... You're is... never going to be able to have a secretary in any career that you have. I will have to have Ida Blankenship from Mad Men as my secretary. Do you remember Ida Blankenship? She was the old lady who Don got in season four. That's mm-hmm. like... All right, I boinked my last three secretaries. This is who I need right now. Mm-hmm. And she dies at her desk. Yep. Spoiler alert. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm never gonna have a secretary. Nope. I don't really need one. I don't need one. You need it. I'm pretty organized. I'm pretty good at work. I am. I'm very good. I don't really need a secretary. Let that carry over into your real life. If I ever get a secretary, she is gonna be great at taking diction. Um. So the Criterion package is. Let's not gloss over what you just said. Because this podcast is about movies, yes, but it's also about our married life. So what did you mean you wanted her to be good at taking diction? Like, if I speak to her, she should be able to type what I'm saying and get it to be pretty accurate. Like, mm-hmm. I expect a high word count per minute. How um, many word count? How many How many words per minute? Man, it's going to be hard to understand her with my dick in her mouth. <laughs> cool. Like I said... Never have a secretary. So the packaging is really cool. So inside yeah, the... Yeah, how cool is it? Come on. Inside the Criterion uh, package, it has a fake top secret uh, code or plan R envelope um, to be open only when the go code's received. I think that's part of the reason why, like, the beginning, like, like you don't know what's going on. And it's a good plot device to build up to what everything is, but it just keeps reiterated and it's going through all, like, the, the monotony of it. Um, so it's got the envelope, and inside it has the top secret, um, like, instructions, but it's all about, like, the actual movie and, like, facts and whatnot about it, about Kubrick and what was going on in the world. Um, that's why I like these, because they're just really cool. It has, um, the fake magazine, like, the fake, like, Playboy titty magazine, but it's, like, they always have, like, an actual nice literary... Um, note 
Uh, this is a, a piece that was in the summer of 1994 issue of Grand Street about the movie. And then it also has uh, a, a great sight gag in the actual movie. This minuscule Holy Bible and Russian phrases, which each man gets in like their emergency kit yeah. along with like 10 sticks of gum. And inside it has um, like one page of actual phrases, including, uh, does anyone here speak English? Help, I don't understand, and where is the toilet? How do you say those in Russian? Uh, Here, I'll try it. No, I'll try to. Uh, I'm going to do help. Pamagitet! <laughs> I think that that's probably wrong. Gadetuladit! <laughs> and I can't say that's where is the toilet. They're going to tell me to piss myself. Uh, and throughout the rest of it, it's uh, information about the credits, the restoration, the production credits, and whatnot. So very Wait, cool. how do you say that? That... Bathroom one again? Man, I... If I'm ever in a foreign country, like, alone, I am screwed. No, you're screwed. That's why we have to go in the Amazing together, because I can... I can handle the languages. We have a couple Russian people that come into the bank sometimes. Ask them how to say, where's the toilet? Gude? Toilet? Better than me. Yani puni mayu. I don't know. You're gonna pull my what? <laughs> <laughs> it's just funny how you said. Um, what else on Doctor Strange Love? I think we covered it all. I mean, yeah, I think we touched on it. I, I mean, how uh, appropriate it felt, even though it was, you know, nearly fifty-five years ago that this was was filmed. A lot of good sight gags. A lot of good. Uh, intellectual humor, a lot of good social commentary, a lot of biting satire. Just if you haven't seen this movie, now's the time to watch this. Honestly, like prepare yeah. yourselves. It's appropriate. Something dumb like this is going to happen. Cause well, remember what was it? Fucking what? Like a month or two ago, when like Hawaii got those like oh yeah like, those alerts alerts. It was like imminent nuclear attack, and it's like what? That, if that can happen already? That would freak me out. Oh, bro, I'd be fucking done. I'd just, like, yo, give me a fucking pound of Oreos and just let's call it a day. Like, my ass is dying, I'm gonna enjoy myself. You don't enjoy Oreos as much as other cookies. Oh, well, yeah, I'm just, I just, it was the first thing I visualized. Okay, we have some Oreos, you want some? Oh, not right now, there's no nuclear attack on the way. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Something, so, something is about to happen. The bomb's you, about to drop. That's, that's how I will learn to have stopped, and I will just love the bomb. Score time. You drew the movie. Give it a score. I did like this movie, but I did have to think, so it, you know, takes some points off for that. Um, I'm going to give it a, uh, I can't do quarter scores, can I? No, what? For Seven the and a half. Seven and a half, okay. Um... I'm going with a eight and a half, so it'll be a total of a eight, obviously. I think that's fair. Yeah, I mean, it's this is ranked number three on AFI's all one hundred years hundred laughs, um, mm. which I'm gonna disagree with in terms of like comedy. For what it is, I think it is a wonderful black comedy satire but it is not a 
laugh out loud, roll in the aisles film. But it's still masterfully done, superbly acted, and um, enjoyable to watch, especially now. So Dr. Strangelove is in the books. Um, we will not reach into the box because we already drew next week's episode because we watched it the other day and we will be discussing it here uh, very shortly. Next week's episode we a trip back to the 80s and another look at the work of John Hughes with his first directorial film, 16 Candles, was what was drawn. Mm-hmm. 16 Candles will be next week's episode. Um, how much has John Hughes done? Breakfast Club. We did Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. But we also did, like, he didn't direct Home Alone, but, like, he wrote Home Alone. You know, like, so. Mm-hmm. Done, done a lot of John Hughes. Um, we talked a lot about John Hughes. And we'll talk about it more next week. But until then, thank you for listening to Married with Movies. We encourage you to check us out on arcadeaudio.net for this podcast and the other ones in our network of shows. Please rate and review us on iTunes, Apple, um, sorry, on Apple, Stitcher, and Google. Um, Subscribe to your podcast automatically every single Thursday, sometimes Friday, normally Thursday. Um, Depends on the kind of week we're having. It's normally up before Thursday is over, but you're not seeing it until Friday morning. Um, I'm meeting my deadlines. Thank you very much. Don't you set your own deadlines since you're the... And uh, i got to kind of follow Rich's deadlines, so that's okay. Married with Movies. Rich. Married with Movies at gmail.com. At Married W Movies on Twitter. Make sure you go to arcadeaudio.net slash the mullets. Vote in those awards um, for the year 2016. That's going to be up until the end of May, I think is what we said. So you have about another month and a half to vote. Tell your friends. Um, we'll be advertising it more and more as the deadline draws near. And patreon.com slash audio for bonus content like the nomination episode, the result episode, and who knows what else will be dropping in there. What else? That's it. That's it. Alrighty. For a mullet. This is mullet. Signing up for Married with Movies. We'll catch you next time on our couch. Slash the movies. Tits Nixon. That's a pretty dope porn name. If you're out there and you want to, uh... But, wait, how could it be Tits Nixon? It would have to be somebody who is, like... No, it's... Do you, do you know porn names? They don't mean I, anything. I don't, I don't know porn names. I'm telling you, Tits Nixon? It's a pretty dope porn I'm name. I'm sure it probably exists. Let's ask. Let's ask the expert. On the air, right now, I will... Don't look up porn on no, your phone. I'm going to get rid of this bomb chart, and I'm going to just Google... Tits Nixon. Please don't do that. You're going to get images you don't want to see. The first result is from Zoe Nixon, titty fucking fan on Pornhub.com. So, there you go. Seems to be all the results. Ooh, Urban Dictionary, the Nixon. Raising both hands in the air with peace signs, yelling, I'm not a crook, and motorboat and some titties. (laughs) Hit, Hit the stop button here. Turn off the recording. We meet again. Don't know where. Don't know when. But I know we'll meet again. Some sunny day.
thank you for playing Arcade Audio. Play more at arcadeaudio.net.